Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. This is Luke here. And Paul. That was very, very calm there, Paul. I don't know I'm, what's going on. I'm, I'm subdued right now, Luke. We have, we've been in the wilderness for a little bit. We had Mexico, USA a couple weeks ago, Mexico, Canada. But, man, I'm, I'm really just missing football right now. It's, it's rough out here right now. It is. There's not too much going on, but if we think about it from the perspective of a player, it's a much need to break. Um, I'm sure from a lot of FPL managers out there who are listening to the pod. Honestly, we probably probably all needed a little bit of a break too. We all it, it wears you down once it's you a get, roller coaster. It for once sure you is. Get around game week twenty five or so, and you know the end isn't game quite week in sight. Two, what the fuck are you talking about? It just wears you out, <laughs> especially if you're having a tough season. Especially when you don't know what you're doing at the beginning. That really wears you down. Yeah, so this is why I, we I expect you to have lots of vigor and, bear, and be excited the entire season now since you know exactly what you're doing, Paul, if that's what you're saying. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's, a, it's a long season, but it's a marathon, right? You know? Yeah, well, Paul, how are you doing? How's everything going since we've taken this little break? Good, good. Everything's going good. Um, we're, like I said, missing football a lot, but I think I'm doing, I'm doing good right now. What about you? I love to hear that. No, I'm, I'm doing good, too. I think I'm... Starting to get the juices flowing a little bit for FPL, and um, I can kind of see the star on the horizon. There's a big, apparently, announcement coming on Monday from official FPL and then some other um, content creators that they've hand-selected to help them reveal the news. But the big question is, are they going to be able to unveil the news (laughs) with Elon Musk being the ultimate dictator that he is? So, Dude, it's it's crazy. This is, like, it's sad to me how much, like, I'll admit this on the podcast, this is dramatically, like, I'm doing good, but it has decreased my mood a lot today because, like, Twitter's how I perceive my news. It's how I get, like, a lot of information on things. And to limit that, that's weird. It's it's really strange, isn't it? You just have to wonder what Elon's ultimate goal is, right? Okay, well, we won't use this pod Ooh, to I dive do. into. I, I really do, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. That's fine. You know, be sure to look at Paul's Twitter account. I'm sure he'll be tweeting it's a question of if you'll be able to see it or not but be sure to go oh over there to check that out um, god did you see that fc cincinnati goal luke yeah i did holy um, shit so but getting back to what we we're talking about i think um what we want to do today is bring you all some little a little bit early but fpl content um kind of some players that we think are really good transfers from the summer window and then after we go through that i think we're gonna do a little little dabble into some ideal U.S. M&T transfers that um, we would think would be really good for our boys in red, white, and blue. Go baby Eagles! Yeah, so we'll take a little break here, but we will be right back to dive into the FPL transfers that we are most excited for for this upcoming um, Premier League season. We're fast as fuck, boy. We'll be back quick. All right, to clarify for everybody listening... That was New York City FC, not Cincinnati. I turned the MLS game on, and I saw an orange jersey, and I assumed, and I was wrong. But look up the highlights. It was an absolute banger. What are we talking about today, Luke? We are talking about FPL content, and I am excited to be wading back into these waters. They're deep waters, man. <laughs> They're deep, and there's Meg swinging. It can, they're swimming around everywhere. It can get so. quite turbid at times, you know. Um so yeah, come along for the let's ride do with it. us. <laughs> let's, do it. Let, let's dive deep. Let's let's get in, in a submarine and let's go explore the depths. You know, as long as we don't use a PlayStation controller to guide us, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> and oh. let's follow the regulations set out for us. Um, on that bright note, <laughs> how about you dive into it, Paul? Okay. Um, so the first transfer I want to highlight is, which makes sense, is probably anybody that knows me listening to this podcast is I want to highlight Kai Havertz to Arsenal. Okay, very good. Very good. The the first thought that comes to my mind is how do you see Arsenal lining up with him if he's in their starting 11? Mm-hmm. So I I think the best way this could work for them is you're going to see Kai Havertz line up as an 8 with Odegaard with them kind of interchanging tracking do you, back. Do you put Odegaard on the left or Havertz on the right? Or I, I guess would, that's the same thing. Which one do you prefer? I would prefer Odegaard on the left so that he can use his left foot as much as possible. See? But wait, wait. Also, I push honestly, back. when I say that, the way Odegaard hits the ball across the goal from his left foot, 
I honestly actually prefer him on the right. I was about to say, I want him yeah. on the right so mm-hmm. that he can that go more infield sense. on his left. Kai Havertz, I think, maybe a little bit better with his right, you know, a little more ambidextrous. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be better on the left. And, that, yeah, I see that pivot you made there, and I, I agree. I think yep. Odegaard kind of sliding into that middle where he can play the ball left or right would be a good fit for both of them. And so the reason I really bring that up is because, I mean, I think we're going to see Havertz have goal production. production. But I also really think we're going to see him produce a ton of assists for Arsenal because the way he plays in that system, he's going to be interchanging with Odegaard so much, with Saka, with Martinelli. And, like, Arsenal loves the quick little movements. They love the back and forth, all the stuff going on in Arteta's new, in, in his new system. Do he's going to be in great positions the whole time, too. What So for FPL managers out there, what price do you see Havertz coming in at? I think. Oh shit! Uh, I mean, he'll, he'll be—he should be listed as. I mean, he was a forward last year, right? Yes, he was. I don't think he'll be listed as that this year. I don't. No, I think he'll be I a midfielder. Um, you keep going, but I will get back to what his price was last season. I mean, if if I had to guess, I mean, he'll probably be like maybe seven point four. 7.5? Um, so he was 7.5. I think he started out at 7.5. He started out five, I think seven is five? what he started out with. Okay, he'll probably start maybe a little higher, so like 7.7 seven, seven would be my guess. Yeah, that's possible, but I think you have to start at a flat number, like it's a 0.5 or 0. Okay, we'll go 7.5. We'll stay at what he was last year, I think. Yeah, 7.5 sounds good to me. I think with the change in system, I could maybe see possibly like a 7. I think anything below that would be that would That's really excite me. That's a that strong would be vibe. something I really look yeah. at. Um, okay, well, how do you think he's going to fit pretty smoothly into Arteta's system? And secondly, how do, is Declan Rice coming into that squad something that is kind of impacting your decision to spotlight Kai Havertz? Mm-hmm. For sure. Look, that's a great way to voice that question. So with. Declan Rice at the bottom of this midfield, it's going to allow Odegaard and Havertz to kind of do what they want going forward. Give me a second. Sorry, it's yeah, something just my throat. Clear those airways. It's something you know, my throat. But we want, um, that, we want that golden voice coming out. Yeah, exactly. But with Rice below Odegaard and Havertz, they're going to have the ability to do what they really want. And the good thing about Odegaard and Havertz, though, is they have a motor defensively and, I mean, more so offensively, but they don't mind to track back and kind of do some of the dirty work, which is something you want for players like that. So right. I think it's going to be a great fit with that midfield three. And Havertz, is he's going to have the ability. Like, you never really saw it at Chelsea, but the way he played at Leverkusen, like as a cam, as an attacking midfielder, he there there's something there that Chelsea honestly didn't discover because they just played him as a nine. Yeah, and that was and purely from them not having the nine mm-hmm. that they felt. Which is their fault in. completely. Yeah, it's not on him. You know, he just kind of did what he had to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you're saying, that versatility that we could see from him is something that's very, you know, I think the discrepancy here would be very high. The disparity, sorry, would be mm-hmm. very high with Havertz because he could be in excellent positions, but he could also be doing some things that do not make him viable for FPL. You know, when we have so many great options, you never know if Havertz is going to, you know, from game to game, I could see him being someone where we just don't know what to expect. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's going to, um, I think he's just going to ball out in that midfield, honestly. And I think yeah, it's going to, I hope so. honestly, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be assist more so than goals. But I mean, those are still contributions you know fpl points right there yeah do you is there any world in which you would consider declan rice to come into your team um i mean possibly i think if you see him hit a maybe like two weeks in a row where he has contributions and if we see exactly how he's playing in their system where he's venturing more forward because whenever he played for west ham he was very patient about how he made forward runs and he would really wait, really wait for the exact right time. And he has a pretty good instinct when it comes to going forward and falling to stuff at the top of the box. I, I think he's he could be viable depending on how far Arteta lets him off his leash, per se, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's something really important to note with Declan Rice, that his ability to progressively move the ball, whether it's passing or dribbling, both of those combined with his defensive ability is what makes him this 100 
you know, million pound man, mm-hmm. right? You know, breaking that English transfer record for biggest transfer ever. And that's something that's important to know. You know, he does have that capability to, you know, benefit Arsenal on both sides of the ball. So it's something to watch. I don't know. It, it would definitely have, it would be some time before I'd consider him as an FPL asset, but someone to perhaps keep an eye on. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You never know. I mean, look at FPL last year. How many people we had pop up that we never would have thought, you know? So, yeah. Sully Marsh. We'll see. <laughs> My <laughs> man. Your dude. Let me tell you, he has he has to be on every single podcast we do. And that yeah, is my life's goal. Present. That for every single podcast of Top Bins with Twins, Sully Marsh gets a mention at some point. He lives by the Winston Bishop theory of just be there. Just be there. He's right? constantly there. He's just he's just in the room staring at us. We I'm don't just even in that know. zone, you know. Just in that in that zone. He's here. In that area. All right, um, Luke, let's hear your um who's your first transfer that you're excited by? All right, so the first one that I'm excited by, and I wasn't even initially that concerned about this, but after doing some research and diving into it, I'm excited by Dominique Soyazabal. Do you know who please, this is? Please explain. <laughs> so I'm not sure I do. He is coming from RB Leipzig, and he is going to Liverpool. Oh, he, oh, okay, yeah, yes, I didn't recognize. He, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, the, the, the pronunciation page. is very. He's Hungarian, so if I mispronounce that, I serious, I really do apologize. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm doing the best I can here. No, you did good. Um, I, I know who you. I know who you're talking about now. We're on the and same page. I, after watching his highlights, he's so creative with the ball at his feet. He's excellent at going at defenders at pace, and his passing stats are fucking ridiculous really as opposed like he's in the 90 above the 95th percentile in over about five different categories according to fb brief he just his passing is insane but he's really he strikes the ball insanely well so on set pieces he would be someone that would be contending for the set pieces it's i assume it's going to be trent still just because of the way that you know he's been there so long and everything but what about McAllister though? Yeah, exactly. He'd be competing with all of them. So I don't think he would kind of work his way into that position we'll at see, least not for a while. That would I would love to watch their um training, you know? Yeah. No, it, it would be insane. Who, who, it would who be you decide, really? It would be a technical display, that's for sure. Yeah. Um but other things that kind of excited me is I think that you know, his his non-penalty XG is not really that great when compared to other similar, you know, attacking mids or wingers, but his XA and his assist are above the 80th percentile. So I expect him to be producing assists and creating opportunities and being in those really good positions for Liverpool to create, you know, play Salah through, play, you know, Nunez or Gakpo, um, you know, DS with him being back as well. I think he's going to be in those really good kind of um, creative forward thinking positions. And something that I've seen is, you know, with Trent kind of tucking in in possession, Liverpool's probably going to play that three, two, mm-hmm. two, three, probably. Right. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think he's going to be in the upper, you know, upper two, right. In that, if you look at it as, you know, a W, a WM basically, right? So the top upper five would be a W and the bottom five M he'd be playing in the upper W at the bottom. Um, do you that track sense. that? Do you know what I'm saying? That makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, like what, what number would you define it as for people out there? Um, like an inverted, like 10 almost, I guess. So like a 10 that drops deeper essentially with a corresponding 10 next to you. Okay, I see. What right, you're you know that makes what I'm sense. Just, just so people out there, um, yeah, and so you can exactly. maybe kind of picture that in your mind. Yeah, um, just kind of talking underneath the striker, um, a little bit deeper than you know traditional number ten. So I would love. I think he's going to slide into the starting eleven. Honestly, if I'm dude, honest, I I think he has to. I mean, for like, yeah, how much they paid for him and how much he can offer to that team, especially like the. So the not I'm not interrupting your whole spill here. Look at it. Yeah, no, go ahead. You're but good. it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with Liverpool's youngsters, like Curtis Jones with um, what's his face? Oh, the the ginger dude, um, Harvey oh, Elliott. Harvey Elliott. Harvey yeah. Elliott. To see like the positions that they're going to play or where they're going to play, if they're going to play, 
Like it, it's it's gonna be Liverpool's brought in a lot in their midfield, which I think they needed. Well, I mean, think about it. Curtis Jones was on a heater at the end of the season. Yeah, no, and he was a great FPL you know, asset. Jules from FPL family, he was the one he brought him in and got yeah. you know incredible results from him for those last three four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you'll see Liverpool here. Liverpool is pushing right. They are making some key signings that are going to increase the level of their squad. I think there's still a couple more they could make. But Liverpool is, I think they're back. I think we'll see a reinvigorated kind of, there's going to be a lot of learning to do, you know, kind of as time goes on. And they've got to do it quick. But at the same time, I think think they're going to be very viable from an FPL perspective. So this is interesting. Let's just just ride ride what we're going on right now. Where do you think Liverpool finish at the end of the year? I would say top four, probably. Think top four? If I, if I had to say right now, and that's difficult because there's so many more transfers that need to be made. Yeah. We don't have know, to do full-out predictions players now, but I'm just in, Players out. I think they make top four. And given that they're, they're Europa League, yeah, they're going to be in Europa League, I think they can make a big push in that tournament, right? Because yeah. they should. what you, they what really you should. see now is with them bringing these players – that pushes other people back the depth chart and thus allowing them to have more availability for Europa League, all these other, you know, English competitions. question, yeah, really. So I, I really do, I like what the signing, the signing here. And as I said earlier, I did not know I was going to like it this much, but I think he's going to be a great signing for them. At least, you know, whenever a player signs for that high of a fee, you do hope that they're successful because, Whenever that doesn't succeed, a lot of people just point to that price tag and say, well, you weren't worth it. Well, you suck. Unfortunately. Which is never the case, honestly, with these with these yeah. level of footballers. Nobody sucks, you know? Yeah. Um, it's context. I think one more thing that I kind of wanted to highlight mm-hmm. is, as I said, his passing is incredible. You know, he completes the majority of the passes that he attempts, and it seems like you know he's he is completing a high number of passes per game as well so it's not just a small sample size but i also do like that he he's not necessarily extremely high but as opposed for tackles interceptions blocks and clearances he does rank really well when compared to other comparative That's players good. So Liverpool like that aggressive press, you know, get high up the pitch, force errors in the other opponent's half. And I think he's going to assist them in this. It's something that they really lacked last season. So um, I think with him, we'll kind of see an increase in that as well. And Liverpool is going to be, you know, a fun team to watch. They're going to score a lot of goals, I think. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Anfield's going to love him. I think so. It sounds yeah. like he's going to be a fan yeah. favorite very yeah. soon. So keep, yeah, keep your eye out for him. I will. Yeah, but Paul, do you want to go ahead and lead on to your second FPL asset that you're interested in? Yeah. So um, this one involves one of my favorite teams in the Premier League, Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> 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 Funny. Um, no, Brighton, Hoving Alley, Albion. So I think Moda Hood is going to be a honestly a very viable FPL option for them. Okay, why do you think that? And you can look at our Twitter account at Top Ben Twins to see the thread that we've talked about this. But Paul, build upon that. Why do you? Yeah. Why do you think this? I think it's 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 really as simple. Like it's kind of like a copy and paste. He's gonna go straight in to McAllister's role, and I think he has the ability to play that role to a T. There's maybe certain things that I think slightly he may be worse at striking the ball than McAllister and Luke also has his takes on McAllister how he strikes the ball but I I I don't think he'll be on pens so that was a big thing about McAllister he was on pens but he's going to be part of that triumvirate you could say with at Brighton and I I still think with the Serbia there they're going to produce next year and they're going to be viable assets for us to look at and he's going to be part of that conversation yeah I I do like that I you know, he is definitely an interesting player who is kind of it's it's really interesting. He was in the Bundesliga and he makes this move to the Premier League and one of the up and coming Premier League teams. But it's kind of like his opportunity at a personal renaissance. Yeah. Almost because yeah. at Dortmund he wasn't getting the time. And how crazy he was, is he it? was in and out. He was in and out he, for he like for like injury. six years. Yeah. There were some injury issues and everything, but 
this move could be like his next step up. And it's crazy that, you know, he didn't play at Dortmund and then couldn't slide right into the starting 11 at um, Brighton. So I think he will. It's a, it's an interesting dichotomy there with him. Um, yeah. So he actually in 2015, 2016 out of five goals and eight assists. And in that Brighton midfield, I think it's entirely possible that he could equal that total or produce more, which would make him somewhat of a viable FPL asset if you time it right, you know? Oh, I completely agree. Um, and kind of the build off of what Paul was saying, one of the you know best things that we kind of highlighted on our Twitter thread um, is that you know he. I mean, let's be honest. McAllister outperforms Dahoud in his, you know, expected goals and goal contributions. I mean, but the PKs also alter that a lot too. Right. Yeah. But I think where Dahoud is really going to find success is that chances created and XA. I think those numbers will be the indicators to look at him and say, is he a valuable FPL asset? If he's checking the boxes in those chances created and also XA areas, he is someone that I think could be a great early asset for us to look at. Yeah, honestly, the bottom line with him is is if Brighton produced the same way they did last year, which I think they will, he's going to be part of that, and he's going to be viable for that, you know? Yeah, he really will be. I think I think that's a good shout there. Yeah. All right, Luke, who is your um, next person you want to shine a spotlight on? Um, so the next person I want to shine a spotlight on yeah. is Nicholas Jackson. Oh, I <laughs> did i steal your next one no actually you didn't but it's closely associated my next one is okay um so nicholas jackson if you all do not know he was at villa real in la liga last season um he ended up with let's see 12 goals and four assists he had an xg of 8.56 so he overperformed that xg by 3.44 love to see that um that kind of rings similarly to maybe perhaps Darwin Nunez question mark <laughs> because the previous season and you know let's oh you know, the give and take this the previous season he had zero goals with an xg of 0.81 so what not a lot fuck? of playing time <laughs> um that sample size might be a little skewed there but if we look I mean it's something to think about right he was on fire last season he ended up being the player of the month for La Liga at the very end of the season. He just, he set, he was the best player in La Liga, arguably. So, and he's young too, right? Um, he's tw- I think he's 22. Yeah, he's very young. Yeah, he's so like- Chelsea could be getting an excellent, excellent striker here. But we'll see. There's a lot of risk associated with this move because there's a lot that's not known about him. They paid, I think, what, like $30 million for him? Yes, they did pay $30 million for him. It's a risk. Um, I agree. I think it is a major risk. But in this young Chelsea team, who knows, you know? And if we look a little deeper at his underlying stats, so when compared to other forwards, in his non-penalty goals, he is in the 94th percentile, and that's over the past year. So he is outperforming every other forward in the top five leagues in the 94th percentile. That's pretty so impressive. Pretty impressive stat. Uh, right and there. he also is in the 89th percentile for assist and then 87th for expected assist. So with him, I think a big indicator for us is going to be, A, is he starting? And B, what is his price? If both of those boxes are checked, he he is going to be a mainstay in a lot of teams, I think, especially if Harry Kane's gone. If Harry Kane makes a move out of the Premier League, then... We'll see a lot of people scrambling, um, and I think you'll see a lot of Holland in teams, regardless of what his price is. I think another thing that really matters a lot for that, Luke, is we're going to have to see Chelsea's form and how they set up, too. Well, I mean, there, Pochettino always plays the four-two-three-one. Yeah, you know, but I mean, like, like to see, and well, we're going to have to see how much they produce, too, because I, I don't think that somebody that you start with week one, I, to me, like... That there's so many questions there. I think there's better assets for probably that are going to be at his price point that would be better. I can tell you right now, I have not analyzed matchups. I have not looked at, you know, predicted, you know, FDR for certain teams. Mm-hmm. All of this I'm waiting to do later on because I want to yeah, see yeah, who's yeah. going to be where. 
I want to know yeah, when the pieces what, what players, yeah, what pieces teams have. I'm so excited to do that. And then after doing this pod, I'm itching to get into it, but I'm going to make myself wait. <laughs> you junkie. <laughs> I know, right? Just got to push it I'm off, push it off. But what I'm trying to say here, right, is I think kind of just off the top of my head here, I'm probably going to have a Chelsea asset in my team in game week one because I see a lot of value there that people will easily swing into if they put in a good performance in the first couple of weeks. But I want to have that in my team beforehand to kind of have that little extra advantage there. So I think, you know, someone from the starting 11 that I feel really good about will be in my team, you know, starting the in the first first game week. So like that's a great pivot point for us. I think you, I think Jackson's a very viable point, but I think Nkuku is the Chelsea asset to go for this year in FPL. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a Listen, good show. I think this man's gonna absolutely cook. If if Chelsea, like I could see this team being like, I think they're gonna somewhat be top six underdogs, but I think they're probably gonna score a lot of goals on their pot. And they're going to have, like, they have, I mean, if you look at their setup, like, if so let's say you have Jackson up top, you have Mudrick on the left, you have Enwake on the Sterling right. Sterling will probably Maybe, start. probably Sterling on the right, most likely. I think Sterling on the left and Mudwake on the right you is think? what I think. Yeah. Maybe, possibly, I don't know. But then you throw Nkuku under that, like, th- he's going to have so many chances to create and to have, like, quick little one-twos with everybody out there, like, He's going to be a FPL. It wouldn't surprise me if this year he may be somewhat of a decent FPL asset. But next year, especially once the system gets flowing, they get better pieces in, he's going to be an FPL monster in the Premier League. I think he's going to be somebody that we can't miss out on. What is going to determine his viability for my team is price. Yeah, right? price is a big question. Price, if he comes in being around like anywhere upwards of 9 million pounds, I'm really going to be thinking twice about it. Um, I hope that FPL introduces changes to the captaincy or vice captaincy. Wait till Monday. Maybe Wait some rule Monday. changes. I think that's a new format within FPL is what I'm Like a thinking. new layout? Like a layout of the app? Is that what no, you're no, no. I think there's going to be a new like mini competition within FPL. So they introduced where... Now you have the generic FPL where you have a set budget, you pick your team. They also introduced FPL drafts where you could do like, say like for Americans that are listening, you know, it's very similar to like fantasy basketball where you have a league, you draft people and then, you know, each player gets points for you for the week. Um, but I think they're going to introduce a new format to where it's something slightly similar to what's going on, but different and hopefully Listen, bring in new people. As you well. know what this podcast cares about? We're, the we're strictly not strictly hard here. FPL. We want FPL man. original. This content. is what we want. This is what we live for. This is what we live and die for. I just, I really hope that they change everything with Twitter because, you know, how are we going to make deadline transfers if we don't know who's in the starting eleven? I know there's going to be no make, leaks. How are gonna we going to live without videos of people speculating if that's Marcus Rashford getting off the bus or not? Dude, we're going to have know, to download how? WhatsApp. We're going to have to get on the WhatsApp group chats. That? Dead I mean, ass. Let's, like, really? let's dive into Reddit. I mean, we look at it every once in a while here and there, but... Man, I don't the, know. I don't know. What's the new up-and-coming social media? I mean, somebody, Elon... Somebody please make one. Like, honestly, fuck Elon Musk. Let's, let's, get a new, let's get a new app exactly like Twitter going and replace that shit because you know, I want... Like, let's get that content out. So, Paul, I have an idea. I was sitting outside today and just enjoying, you know, the nice scorching hot Florida day, Florida sun. And I was sitting by a nice little view of a lake and everything. And to my right, there was a little parakeet just wandering around the grass, having a great time looking for some grub or, you know, whatever he could find to eat. Hell yeah. Let's make a new social media app called parakeet. (laughs) I think that would thrive. And we just do the same icon, but we make it green. green. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is our million-dollar idea. Listen, their lawyers would sue the hell out of us, but I'm here for it. Well, maybe we change the icon slightly to where it's a little skinnier because parakeets, you know, they're not big, bulky dudes. They're a little smaller. Honestly, if we we could probably get an AI to design that easy and simple for us. 
Or we could do it. Yeah. I mean, we probably could, but I, yeah, mean, I think knows? the AI would do it a lot faster than us. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Paul, do you have a third person that you're kind of in the, thinking they could be great for FPL? Or yeah. Yeah. Um, this one um, really hurts me. And I think it's um, an asset to kind of. Ooh, ooh Mason Mount. Shut up. Luca is getting there. <laughs> God damn it, man. Okay. You well, my whole spill. Wow. Sorry. I ruined those five seconds there for you, but keep going. Sorry. Five seconds, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was at least 30 seconds. <laughs> How many times have you said <laughs> that? <laughs> no, I, I knew what I was walking into. I knew what I was walking into. I'm sure you did. I had to for the pod. But um, I think Mason Mount, if we look at him as an asset in this United team, they need a midfielder that can produce goals. And he's somebody that the way he strikes the ball, the way he... Honestly, his work ethic, I think, in this United team, he's going to find a way to start. He's going to be present. And he's going to he's gonna be there for United. And it depends on... I'm not sure how he's going to line up in Ten Hog system, honestly. Like, where he'll exactly play. But he has the... He really is one of the best ball strikers. And his first touch dude is magical. Like he it, is, it I, really is his, you know, the little back hills he does the way he flicks the ball on and he does, he does not always get it right. Right. The margin, of di- the margin of difficulty on what he does is so finite that, you know, he's not always going to get it right, but he has that ability with the ball that, you know, just, it seems like it's in, in instinct or intrinsic to who he is as a person. And I mean, this, this is a guy that in 21, 22 had 11 goals and 10 assists. Like he can produce results for you as an FPL manager. He has to be in the right circumstances. And yes, less, last year he had a down year. It was not a great year for Mason Mount. He had injuries. He was in and out of the team. It just was not a good year for him. But I, I firmly believe that Chelsea's, this is going to be one of their biggest regrets letting him go. After Christian Pulisic, of course. But well, Mason yeah. Mount is, in this United team, I think he's going to totally embrace the villain role, and he's just going to fly with it. Imagine the scenes. They go to Stamford Bridge. It's his first match back. He gets a brace with the Manchester United crest on. Just It really kind of hurts me, honestly. Like Mason after... Mount, he seems so likable from everything I've seen about him. After spending so much time with Chelsea... I mean, literally growing up through their youth Sadly. academy. It, it is really unfortunate to see them treat him this way and not give him the money he deserves just purely because they feel like they have to get the money back in after everything they've spent. You know, it's just, I, I agree. I think it's a big mistake. Yeah. And the, to me, the thing, like uh, a little soapbox here, but all these Chelsea fans that have turned on Mason Mount after him, giving so much to this club since he was six years old. It's yeah, absolutely agreed. insane. And it, honestly, agreed. I'm not going to lie, it speaks to the fan base. It really does. And honestly, we see the negative stuff. We see all the stuff. There's obviously good Chelsea fans out there. But, I mean, how are you going to turn on somebody that's literally given so much to your club and after one bad year, your club decided to sell him? You know, like, one one what? positive that came out of today it's very difficult to be toxic on Twitter if there's no Twitter. Yeah, if you if so you can't look at tweets, you don't know. Inversely, so. it could be good for some fan bases out there. It'd probably you be know, good for me and there's you. There's not a lot of this, you know, cultural systemic toxicity that you know probably negatively impacts a lot of people. So maybe maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what Elon intended. Maybe he read through Chelsea Twitter and said, "I've had enough." Elon is pro hashtag touch grass. <laughs> this, this man's all about it. He just is, has a roundabout way of getting there. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah. But I agree with that Mason Mount shout. I think he's gonna, he's my, gonna kill it, my question to you, though, whenever you were kind of describing this, A, so very simply, what price do you see him coming at? And B, what position do you see him playing for United? What What formation do you see them with him starting? I think he's going to be like, Probably 6.5 or 7. Okay, so that would be a price drop for him. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, if you look at their midfield, I think it's probably going to take him maybe five or six weeks in the season to really lock down a spot. And for a speculative asset like that, you're probably going to see a little bit lower of a price. I disagree. I think he's going to start game week one. 
But I mean, who, I think he, he should, with? but I also think they're going to price in who's the he competing nature. with, right? N- speculative nature, right? Are you talking about like his price there? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, think about the team last year. They have Casemiro, Erickson, and then basically Bruno on top of them. Do you think Erickson's not going to start? Yes, I think Mount will start over him. I mean, yeah. I think he should, but I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure as an FPL owner that Mason Mount's nailed on to start week one. Like we we really don't know going into week one. It will be interesting if we see United make that pivot to kind of generally what everyone else is kind of popularly doing in the Premier League where they slide a right back or left back in the midfield. And then at that point, you know, you would have a double pivot of right back, left back with Casemiro. And then you push Bruno and also Mount forward in the kind of that w, that WM shape as yeah. I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that would be something that would be good for them. Um, yeah. It's just a question there of, with you, dude. do you push... Juan Bissaka does not fit that profile, so maybe Luke Shaw. I don't know. It would be interesting. I'm not quite sure on that one. Um, I think, the honestly, if I were United, I would start Shaw on the left and then two the two center backs and then Dallow and invert him if that's the formation you want to go with and then push other people forward. I wouldn't start Juan Bissaka because he doesn't, he doesn't cater to that. That's not what he does. Yeah, but defensively you're losing a lot in his pace, especially if you're going up a really good up against a really good left yeah, winger. No, absolutely. Um you're missing out on a lot there. So something to keep an eye on. Um it's continue climate, continue you know? that dialogue as we go forward into the FPL season. Um anything else you want to say on Mason out before we wrap on that, Paul? No. I think I've said everything, yeah. I'm good. All right. Well, for my final FPL asset surprise me that I am interested in. You're not going to be surprised by this one. So I initially was thinking that I wanted to do um who is what's his name? Uh, I just drew a blank. Brighton's new striker they signed from Watford. Um oh, Joe Pedro. Joe Pedro. I was thinking of him. I had him on my notes. But in my mind I thought, no, why would I do that? There's Evan Ferguson there. I think Evan Ferguson is going to be a mainstay in a lot of teams, especially if he is able to stick around that price tag. What do you think his price will be? So last season he was like 4.5, I think. There's no way he's 4.5 this year. No, that's what I'm saying. So that's the baseline. I think that we could see maybe like a 2 million pound increase. So maybe like 6.5, maybe seven's a lot. I think six, I think six is the number. So like in the 6.5 to six range, Mm -hmm. if he's anywhere below six, he will be in my team. Cause I think Danny Welbeck is always very frustrating because you deserve, rotates a lot. You don't know exactly who he's going to start, but in his choice 11, I think Ferguson is his, you know, is his starting striker. So Evan Ferguson, you know, he's in the 80th percentile in non-penalty XG, non-penalty goals, shots, pass completion. He does he does blocks. everything you would want from a 9. Right? Like he, his play is there's a reason why everyone's saying that he's just amazing because he he's incredible. You know the way and he what, strikes he's be the ball 19 this year, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's stupid. It's impressive. It really he, is. The talent is there, and I think it's time for him to have a breakout season. Last year was his kind of coming onto this onto the stage season. I think next season, if he stays healthy, we could easily see fifteen to twenty goals from him. Whoa! I fifteen think, to twenty. You think so? Yeah. So this past season, he had six goals and two assists. That's a large. That's a large spike, Lou. So I, mean, really I, I listen, fully listen, believe listen. in his ability. So he had. It's <laughs> a large spike. He had 19 appearances, right? In that time, he played 950 minutes. That is not a lot, right? He yeah. had six goals and two assists. If you double his minutes, say he gets, let's say, 1800 minutes. Yeah. Right. That that's 12. literally what like 12 goals, four assists. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's say he plays full ninety minutes for twenty games out of the season. I think he can e- he can get to fifteen goals. His goal contributions could easily exceed twenty. Okay, I, I would I, not I, be surprised. Honestly, I kind of push back at your point. 
But he's somebody too that I see totally exceeding their XG. Cause he the way he hits the ball, the way he finds space, and, and the that, way he creates for others too. Like he he is elite in so many categories. But that's the crazy thing is that last season he did not significantly overperform his XG. Yeah. His XG was five point eight seven. Five sorry, five point six seven. Which is right. And around, he ended yeah. up with six goals. So we overperformed by point three three. I think you can just honestly count that down to minutes, realistically. Yeah, and like, the injury from you know, yeah, Liverpool's CDM, who I will not name because <laughs> we he who nest must not be named. We we won't talk about him on this podcast. That's that's a really kind of really. I don't really mean that honestly. Like, don't, he's not that bad. Don't walk back your point like that. Don't no, walk it back. There, there are other players. You stand that I with could, that king. There are other players I would happily make that comparison. This person, who I will not name, they don't deserve that title. So it it, it is what it is. We'll move on. Um, okay. I'm excited <laughs> to see Ferguson play, and Deserby is always exciting to watch. I if Brighton is on, you can guarantee they will be on my main TV. Um, yeah, I'm there with you, dude. They they're fun to watch play. They're fun to watch. I haven't even looked at their schedule yet. So you know, here in about a week or two, whenever. We're just really getting ready for the season. Oh, I will be yeah, looking at Brighton's schedule to see exactly what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I think that's kind of my last FPL highlight I want to make. Um, one last question for you, Paul, before we wrap on everything FPL. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the announcement they're going to make on Monday with the other kind of content creators and from FPL itself? You know, what I really hope it is, is if they give us the option to have a CDM or other players that can contribute points for clean sheets or different. Honestly, I just want different ways to produce points in a team because I want to see the template teams broken down into, into a multitude of ways to create fpl points over one week you know right you see right. what i'm saying like it to me i mean like I, I feel like literally last year you could have logged into twitter you could have copied you could have looked at probably 10 fpl creators i mean like okay these are what these guys are going with because they they know the exact numbers they know exactly who they want to play where and honestly to me like what what's the fun in that you know like, like we, we want to have creativity. We want to be able to build a team that's different than other people, you know? I agree with that, right? And the idea of having, you know, CDMs have value. That is a po- extremely important position in on an actual football yeah. pitch. But in FPL, there's no value there. Right? Yeah. There's no point in having someone in your team like that. I I mean, Rodri or John Stones look, might look be the best option out of at, any CDM. Look at Tyler Adams. Like, you're telling me this right. guy that had so much viability to Leeds and you saw the drop off whenever he got hurt to Leeds and honestly probably the, one of the main reasons they got relegated like that position should have not not I'm not saying an equivalent value to a striker or anybody else but I mean it should provide a certain value so convert, to your team you know intuitively what that makes you think is what how do you price in that value? Where do you get the points from them? Would you say it's tackles? Is it interceptions? Because that I feel like that's kind of a gray area, right? I would. I think the main thing is there's like a one A, one B. It's tackles and then clean sheets. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I, they, they a CDM per, per, should probably have like one less point in a value of a clean sheet than a defender to me. Like, it, it's a step down, but it's also not valued the same way that, like, a regular midfielder or, or like, an attacking midfielder is. Right. I, you know, but that, that also would, brings up a lot of gray area, too. So That would completely turn up FPL upside down, but in a good way, right? Because I think that's an area that you and I majorly struggled in over the past season, is after the World Cup, there was a template team that... A lot of content creators pushed Marcus and a lot Rashford. of people copied, right? Mm-hmm. And those people did really well. But if you did not have <coughs> a template Jerry. team, <coughs> Jerry. if you didn't have that template team, you're in big trouble, right? Yeah. Because the vast majority of people have that team that, you know, statistically makes sense. 
but there's no creativity in that. There's no diversity. There's no, I mean, you just copy paste and it's that easy. Yeah. And honestly, look, I'm going to take a second. The thing about that too is like, do you cave to the team that you're, that's the most analytical team or do you play what you want to play? And like, if what you want to play kind of caters to the, to the content creator team, like there's times that like I didn't play that because I didn't want to like like I'm on Twitter all the time like same as you same as a lot of people probably listen Not to podcasts. Anymore. I mean we were we were whatever and I'm sure it'll just move to something else so it's gonna be the same concept. But do you cave to that or do you like somewhat? Part of me it feels like not like cheating, but it's kind of like is it like viable? You know. That's the issue, I think, is that it is inherently viable for people to continue to have template teams that are very popular within the community to continually follow. But where I struggle is very similar to you, where it's like, I don't necessarily want to ride the wave. I would personally rather take a risk on a player that I think that, you know, passes eye test for me, some some of the key metrics and data that I look at for players if they check all those boxes, I'm more than happy to go out and, you know, take a chance on them. I'm not just going to, you know, copy paste all my starting 11 and my captaincy and triple captaincy, all the ship usage. But through this past year, I have learned that there is something to be said for having a portion of the template, having people who protect your rank and, you know, almost acting a little more defensively with your team and, I hate to say it, but I think it's a little necessary at times, right? Because if yeah. you don't do that, you're, you're behind the curve. You're, you're struggling you're behind the curve. You're and there. if you're, you know, if you're looking for that position where you want to be someone who's, you know, consistently in the top 100k every year consecutively, you have to play defensively if you want to make it to that point. So, yeah, for there's sure. going to be a lot of things that you know I think both of us need to work on in this upcoming season. No but emotion. We've learned. We've learned no a lot. emotion. We've no emotion at all. And that's probably one of my key takeaways is that sometimes it's better to act defensively as much as we might not want to. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Well, look, I think that's a good little FPL segment. Yeah, no, definitely. It's really great to be talking about it. Um, I could keep going for another couple hours, frankly, but yeah, we, I think we don't want that, the pod to be that long. You know, man. We don't want to wear people down too early and there's we'll a lot there. of stuff we'll that we'll there. get to later on. So this is a good stopping point for now. Yeah, but um, let's let's take a little break and we'll be back in a couple of minutes and we'll talk a l- hashtag little USMNT stuff. Ooh, very nice. And USA we'll, baby. We'll dive into that into the baby eagles, but we'll see. You in Insert a bit. eagle screeching. <laughs> Top bins with twins, Luke. We're back with one of my favorite segments here. Ooh. We're gonna talk about some baby eagles and the places they should fly off to and build their nest. Oh, let's hear about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So we're going to start off with one of our newest baby eagles, Florian Balagoon. Mm-hmm. And I have, I think, honestly, I think the perfect landing spot for him. Ooh, let's hear it. Go for it. I think it's going to be the eagles of Crystal Palace. Oh, very interesting. I, there has been some interest out there. There's been interest. Um, from Premier League teams, and Crystal Palace is one of the names that's kind of mm-hmm. risen to the top there. So why do you stuck. why do you think that's a good fit for him? So I think, first off, if we look at Crystal Palace as a team, they have a ton of young talent everywhere. They have people that can produce. They have creative players, really. We've seen it live ourselves. Like They have a bunch of players that really from a level of production and creativity would mold well with flow. And I think it's time for them to pivot away from the static nine role. Right. Where you have a big nine up top that once crosses in all this stuff. I think if you, if you look, especially like as a Elise, the way they play, let's put somebody up top that can, take the ball, play off them, and then play them through, and also make forward runs to use their ability to hit the ball forward. 
I mean, that's one of their one of their best assets, and I feel like it's really not being utilized at a pa- for a level of palace. Yeah, what what I'm hearing over all of this, right, is versatility is what Balagoon offers to Crystal Palace. He has the ability mm-hmm. to do, you know, not quite as well, but do the build-up play that those big, strong, you know, bulky strikers do for them. But correspondingly, he also has the ability to run in behind, to stretch a defense in a way that a lot of their, that all of their strikers really just don't have, frankly. Yeah, and one of the big things about Ballo too, or Flow, whatever we want to call him, whatever we want to go with, he has the speed to run in behind as we saw against PSG. Like that that goal he scored to to finish the game off against them, elite speed. Absolutely elite speed. But then he also has the strength if we see the goal against Canada, this first US goal, he has the strength to hold off defenders to make space for himself on balls played through. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. gonna I think in the Premier League, like he'll be tested. But that's a great role to see him grow in. It's a great role for Palace to have him in. I think it's a great meeting of people. I mean, if you look at his stats from last year, I mean, he had 37 appearances. He had 21 goals and two assists. Yeah. And, yes, he was mm-hmm. on PKs. That's that's always a question mark or an asterisk beside goals. But he he has an ability to just score goals. He does, right? And I think one of the things that I think when I think of Ballo, right, I think to Gundogan, right, with City and his mm-hmm. ability to time it into a, bo- to into a box, right? And that's something that Pep talked about a lot with Gundo is that he heard Johan Cruyff saying that, you know, one of the most important things in football is timing and knowing space, having that awareness to, you know, fill the space when the time is right. And I think that's what Ballo has. He has that awareness of, okay, this is the space I need to be filling at this moment. And, you know, we, we saw that even in the brief time he spent with the U.S. over the summer so far. Like, he was making those runs at the, you know, at seemingly the right time. There's that connection's not there with his teammates quite yet. But you could see it growing. And he has that innate ability to arrive at the right time. And I think that's what Palace needs. They need, to stri- they need mm-hmm. a striker who's going to be in the right position at the right time um, that can offer versatility in the way that he plays. Yeah, and a little caveat, too, that we can add to this that I think Palace fans out there, if they're listening to this, would love to love to know, is, is that he also has the motor to track back, to do things that other nines may not want to do. I mean, if you look at the highlights of the U.S.-Mexico game, the reason why Weston McKinney got a red, literally, if you track it back, was because Ballo got back and literally took the ball off yeah. Was it was it Montez? Is that who it was? That sounds right. I, I think, think so. it was Montez. He took the ball off him, and Montez was so frustrated, he kicked the shit out of him, and then everything right. popped off. I mean, yeah. he's gonna do things to provide for his team, and it doesn't it doesn't have to be goals or assists. And that that's something that can be measured, but it's not something that's highlighted as much, right? And that right. that's very important mm-hmm. to a team like Crystal Palace that operates on margins, and he would be a perfect fit for them i think yeah i agree i agree all right Luke, um, what's your, do, do we your know next? is roy hodgkins coming back is that i i saw a tweet before twitter fell that he was okay that that's but very that's not good. confirmed that's not confirmed though so i in my mind i don't see them being in the relegation fight i see them maybe competing for like you know Upper table, mid table, upper mid table. That's what I think. That's what I see for them. You know, maybe yeah. someone goes on a heater and they kind of carry them to get you know a really good run of points. Who knows? Um, but I have I kind of when I was trying to make this choice between what U.S. players I wanted to look at, I was stuck between two players, and then ultimately I saw a really nice club fit for both of these two players. But I'll you know include a stipulation here right so there are links of tyler adams going to villa um i saw mm-hmm. a couple other teams thrown out there there was maybe some like united interest brighton. or brighton was that brighton. was a while back but i this haven't seen podcast anything else about that. loves that let me tell you i i would love that but it seems like villa might be the best fit so let's just okay. assume that tyler adams goes to villa and that's a fit that i love i think he'll be great there unai emery 
is really kind of revolutionizing um, Aston Villa and everything that they're doing. He's done a wonderful job so far. I love that. I think he can go there, grow. He'll be playing too, I think, frankly. Um, So the club that I'm thinking is Borussia Dortmund, and I am thinking that Weston McKinney would be a great fit there. Um, there were some links of Edson Alvarez making that move to Borussia Dortmund. That has fallen apart, according. That has kind of dissipated from what I've seen. And my thought process here is I think Dortmund are going to be reeling a little bit. You know, they were so close to capturing the Bundesliga for the first time in a very long time. And I think they kind of need new blood someone to kind of reinvigorate to play with a flair that you know is kind of fitting up their club right they're they're a fun team to watch they're forward attacking and weston mckinney can do that while also being very important in the defensive half i think the main thing that like he would provide to them is grit yeah he provides an extra like something more that dortmund really needs and i i think that's a i think he may be a little old for dortmund but that's a player that could really benefit them, and also it would benefit himself too. Right, so it's a little like outside. It's a little outside the box. It's something that I think I don't actually really see it happening. It's just in my dream world, I see that as a good fit somewhere where he can go. He's in the starting eleven. He is benefiting his club. He's getting that playing time. And then from there, maybe a, a year or two from now, he makes that move to somewhere like Tottenham, who is another club I was thinking for him, where he'd be a really good fit. You think so? I actually do. Yeah, I think Tottenham could really benefit from having McKinney, but that's I don't think that's going to happen. So um, I don't think at this point it would. But yeah. I, I honestly, I think he was rumored to Tottenham maybe like last summer. Yeah, it was it was pretty recent. It was pretty recent over the past I think, year or I two. Think that was off the World Cup qualifying, whenever he was just balling out before his injury with Juve. But uh, hey, I, I Weston needs to find a good home. So does Dest. All this stuff, like yeah, I fully agree. There's a lot there that's needed, <laughs> I guess. So yeah, okay. but do you want to go into your next pick, Paul? Yeah, I think. Um, my next is kind of a baby eagle that we that I think both of us would agree we need to see more production from and at a level that we know he can be at, but he hasn't really produced that, but has been very close to producing it. And that person is Brendan Aronson. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think Fulham is the perfect home for him. Okay, have there were reports that came out today that there, there were, were reports some Bundesliga clubs interested. Um, Union Union Berlin. Yeah, and then there was I saw that one. Um, I can't remember what the other club was. There was I might have been Leipzig or something. It would Leipzig would be a good fit. It would Leipzig be in that makes Red a Bull lot of family. sense for him. It's comfortable. Yeah. Um. Okay, so why do you think Aronson to Fulham? What What excites you about that? So one of the main things about Brendan Aronson is I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that produces 20 goals, 10 assists, that kind of material. But I think he's somebody that's viable at a top, top club because his work rate, the way he presses, the way he creates for other people, if you pair him with a striker like Mitrovic, he is going to absolutely thrive. Yeah, and if you play him in the right role, like I'm not saying he needs to be an out and out winger, but as maybe a inverted cam or maybe as a winger that inverts inside, that kind of does a little tracking back on defense with somebody else going forward on the other side. Right. I think he could absolutely just really just be himself, and I think that's the main thing we saw with him at Leeds is that he he started off the year extremely well, like he was. He was, he was top of the premier, not top. Dude, he, was, he was in the top five of chances created for the yes. first 10 weeks or so. And that's what happens when you play with players who are out of form. Yeah. They struggle with fitness. You know, it's going to drag his game. He should have had at least five, six, seven assists in that first 10 weeks. Yeah. That's what happens when you play with Patrick Bamford. But the, like you said, like the, the main thing is, I mean, he really, what he, put on the field for Leeds in the beginning was a level that I think he can 
easily reach again in the right team. And for him, really, it's about confidence. And he's kind of on the periphery right now of the U.S. Like, he, he doesn't have a locked-in starting spot. He doesn't have a blah, blah, blah. But he has the ability and the work ethic, I think, to really work into this team by 2026. And he has to solidify a home. And it has really, to me, like, at this point with the U.S. and, like, the depth that we have, if you want to secure a top spot, like a start, literally a starting spot in this U.S. team, you have to be at a top level and you have to produce, which is awesome as a U.S. fan to say that, but you really have to, you know? You do, right? And in thinking about where Aronson struggled this past season for Leeds, he made a move from a non-top five league to the Premier League, one of the roughest fastest pace games the, in the it entire was the football, physicality right the physicality so what what i'm saying here is you saw that confidence wane as he was growing into his time in the premier league and i think that comes from a lack of strength and that's something that's going to come with time i mean he's still young and progressively over the season you could kind of see his body filling out a little bit more i think that's something they were really trying to work on with him yeah um, i'd agree and that's something we need to watch going into the next season. Like, if he comes back, you know, just <laughs> just jacked. Captain America's have a shit. Right. He like, went in a little, little experiment tube and came out as <laughs> Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. No, we don't want to see that, right? You know, that's a little top-heavy for, <laughs> for know, this though. Like, I, I feel like Brendan Aronson, if he came out looking like... Um, Steve like Rogers? Jason Momoa kind of vibe. Like, he would absolutely just, like... Rip it apart with the speed, IQ, work ethic. Like, he would kill it, dude. There, There's a lot there. But um, I do see the possibility of him coming into this next season. In a Premier League club, Fulham would be great. I'd like that a lot. That would be a good fit for him. I think he could work his way into that starting 11. I see him as someone who, if he has a good start to the season... I think the sky is the limit and he could work himself back in that conversation of this is someone who needs to be starting for our starting 11 um, and kind of just increasing that inner squad competition within um, the USMNT pool. But I I do hope that move to Fulham works out. Um, I, I I think it is on a loan basis. But even that, like, I would love, um, and I think it'd be a good fit for him. I I would really like to see that. Yeah, and a little aspect we haven't talked about is, I mean, I think we always don't really discuss this, but like the human aspect of moving to a new club, being around new people, with Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson there, which hopefully Anthony Robinson is there. I hope he really doesn't move anywhere else unless it's Newcastle, because he would fit very well there. But if it's not there. If if both of them are there, I think I think Aaron sort of make it would be a very comfortable move for him. And he could kind of settle in, get his legs under him and do what he does. And uh, I, I think it would it would exceed expectations beyond belief, really. Yeah. I see him growing into that position really nicely at Fulham. Um so mm-hmm. fingers crossed over here. We'll try to make that happen on our end, but there's not too much we can do. Yeah, we'll we'll really push for it. We'll We'll, we'll we'll use all our all our connections and assets to make Brendan Aronson go to go to Fulham. So just remember, if it does happen, it was top pins with twins. Yeah, we are responsible for that us. transfer. Tag us on Twitter, or whatever social media. If it doesn't happen, we move to. If it doesn't happen, you can believe that we don't have any sway. We don't have any connections. If it happens, you better believe that we're taking credit for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Luke, but, do you have another one you're going to shout out? Or are we, no, are we all I think, good? I think that's going to wrap us. We've been going for a while now. So, uh, yeah, I this is probably wanna, easily our longest podcast to date. But, yeah, real quick, let's, I, I just want to hear your 20 second elevator thoughts on Christian, Cristiano Pulisic to AC Milan. I'm a fan of the move, frankly. Um, I think I've seen, you know, obviously Liao's there, so he's locked down the left side. You know, Pulisic could maybe be playing in that inner channel role um, as like a maybe like 10 or so, mm-hmm. or he could be playing on the right. Um, from what I've seen, it doesn't look like they have a lot of depth on right wing, so it's nice that he has optionality there of where he'd slide in. If they're going to be spending what maybe – 20 million pounds, maybe 15. Who knows what they'll end up agreeing upon. Um, 
I think it'd be a great move for him. I like it. I agree. I think it's um, kind of maybe a two-year stint, really. I, I think Pulisic wants to be back in the Premier League eventually and just be himself in that league. But I think AC Milan is a good... It's almost honestly moving parallel to what Chelsea is in Syria. And he's going to... I think he'll have a lot of joy and happiness in that league from yeah, his role. I see it as a good way for him to kind of reinvigorate his career, find that, you know, not to ruin, we're about to release an article on this on our blog. Um, Shh, spoilers. That, you know, Don't will come out very soon on a, in, in an exciting way, right? That's all I'll say. But we want him to find that joy. We want him to find that, you know, really just being on the pitch, enjoying being on the field with his teammates yes. just be and happy, have it not, know. not be with his USMNT, you know, team. We know he loves that. We know he enjoys playing with those players, but we want him to find that somewhere else. Yeah. And that will 100%. allow him to grow, raise his ceiling back to where we all know he can reach. And then, you know, maybe later make that move back to the Premier League and just yeah. fucking tear it up. Yeah. And As he will. He bring he will one day. bring back that eth- ethos of lockdown Pulisic that we all know is there. Yeah. And just want to see to come back. We want that bright, attacking, you know, lively player that we all know and love. The right former and the right club man. Just like everybody else. Exactly. All right, Paul. Well, you want to sign us off for this one? Yeah, dude, honestly, it's been really fun. I think the FPL aspect really, like I was talking about it, has made me very excited to, like, dive deep and really do research and figure out where we want to go this year because, I mean, there's been a lot of change. There's been a lot of pieces moving. FPL itself is moving. So we're going to see what happens, and we'll be here for updates for everybody, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a new social media. We'll be there, and I'm I'm really excited to share it with everybody, you know? Me too. Um, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. It's been a lot of fun, um, and we look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you through our next podcast. Also, if you still have my number and you're listening, text me Baby Eagles, and we'll enter in a poll for $5. Oh, that sounds like fun. All right.